Hi, family, and thank you so much for joining us tonight for our midweek service. I am really looking forward to sharing the word of the Lord with you this evening. I also want to say just thank you. We had a great day here on Sunday, and, you know, sometimes pastors use those words, those superlatives, you know, just a little loosely, I think, sometimes. But um, it really was a great day. I'll tell you why I thought it was great. Number one, the presence of the Lord. God met us here as we worshiped him. Uh, number two, it was your fellowship, just being together, everybody seeing one another and respecting the social distancing and the masks that were wore showed you cared about one another. Uh, number three, we had guests who just came in off the streets and joined us on Wednesday night, uh, excuse me, on Sunday morning. Number four, the reason I thought it was so great was the way that our praise and worship team just ministered and song and with enthusiasm. And that word entheos is where we get our word enthusiasm from or in God. You could tell they loved the Lord and they wanted to minister. Number five, it was we took communion together. And as Pastor Rick and Pastor Corey prayed over the, the body and the cup as we celebrated the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, we remembered our Lord Jesus. And I am convinced he remembered us on Sunday morning as well. And then number six, it was the joy in giving. As I watched people giving their offerings, whether it was online, using their text, uh, their text to give, which you can do tonight, just text 77977 to Woodland, uh, and the keyword Woodland Church, just, just Woodland Church, no spaces, just Woodland Church. And then you can give right online, or you can uh, go online and give at, at our website, which is Woodland dot church that's it woodland dot church and you can give there and then number seven and finally why i thought it was such a great day on sunday it was the word of the lord god's word was so rich and so powerful to know that i can be the friend of my heavenly father i'm thankful that i had that growing relationship with my dad where he became my friend but my most important friend my number one friend today is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to, to listen to that message from this past Sunday. It's online. You can download it on your app or on your phone, whether it's an iPhone or an Android, or you can just go and listen to it on the website. But I encourage you to listen to it. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, let me take a glance at Pastor Mark. You can watch it online, too, and you can watch it on the phones. Is that correct? Yep, so you can watch the message and maybe get a feel of what it was like here on this past Sunday morning. We're going to be outside again. Both services are half full already, and we just sent out the text message today. So be sure you go online, because if we fill up, we're just simply going to add another service on Sunday. So you can either sign up for the 10 o'clock service, or you can sign up for the 1130 service. And I really want to see you Sunday morning, so you be sure and get there, okay? Well, we're in a series for, oh, 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 by the way, if you've got students, send them to another room. Uh, they should have got a message from Pastor Corey. They can log on and, and be a part of the Elevation Youth Service tonight. Our kids need to stay together just as much as we're staying together right here online. So be sure they log on and, and they join with Pastor Corey and Jeanette and are part of the Elevation Service. If you haven't watched the Timber Edge Service or the Girls Club Service, those are also on our website and they're on YouTube. There's just so much information of the way that we've been able to stay in touch and to minister. And so I encourage you to go there as well. 
Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about the confident life. The confident life. Say that with me. The confident life. And I don't know if it does for you what it does for me. Just by saying the confident life, <clears throat> it's a life that I want. It's a life that you can have. It's a life that, that God has given to you through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Now, last week in the message on Second Peter, and you can go and listen to that one after you listen to this one tonight, but we talked about eight things that God gave us when we were born again, eight things that the Lord gave us. This morning, when I was putting our trash out to the street, one of my neighbors was outside and just had the chance to talk with him about the difference that being born again makes in our lives. What Jesus does, old things pass away, all things become new, and you become a brand new person. And we must have spent just 15 minutes standing right there on the street, you know, by the trash cans as we, as we talked about the goodness of the Lord. And so I want to just go over real quickly what those eight things were. God gives us faith. We talked about that last week. He gives us moral excellence. He gives us knowledge. He gives us self-control. He gives us patient endurance. And every parent out there said, amen. Everybody with a difficult boss, say amen. Everybody with a difficult employee, say amen. You see, he gives us patient endurance. He gives us godliness, brotherly affection, and love. But the key to every single one of those is that gift of faith that God gives us in Christ Jesus. And last week right here, Becky and I talked about how that God gives us the gift of faith. Everyone has that gift, that seed gift that they can use to exercise faith in Jesus Christ. So those are eight things that are important to remember. Faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love, because that's what Peter is referring to in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Let's read it together. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. In other words, they've closed their eyes. They're short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those whom God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Now, before I pray... Over the message tonight, I just want to remind you, you can follow me along with the notes on your iPhone or your Android phone or even online. All you have to do is download the Woodland Church mobile app. Just go to the App Store, whichever you use, Google Play or whether you use um, uh, iPhone, and just download that, and then you can follow right along with me in the notes tonight. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the gift of life that is in Christ Jesus. Every time I hold a baby in my arms, Lord, every time I dedicate a baby here, I'm always just fascinated and taken, Lord, by the gift of new life. Lord, there have been several couples who've called me lately and said, Pastor, we're going to have a baby, and I, I kneel before you, and I give you thanks for each of those little babies that are about to be born. And you know, Lord, every one of them have been little girls, so we need some little boys in the mix as well. So we just pray for more of those little babies being born into our church. And I pray tonight, as we look at your word, that God, you will help us to grow in confidence, 
like the children of God that you want us to be, confident in our Father, confident in the new life that you've given us, and confident in these gifts that you have blessed us with. And I thank you for it, and help me now to teach this in a way that your people are going to remember. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, the first thing I want to look at tonight is we must fully cooperate. You and I have to fully cooperate with God to diligently develop each of these characteristics. Now, last week we talked about growing in maturity. And I almost called this growing in confidence. But the more I thought about this message tonight, I realized that what God wanted us to be was confident in the life that he has given to you and I. And so rather than we grow in maturity, that's what Peter was writing about last week, tonight I want you to see why you have a confident life. One of the illustrations that I used last week was God has given us the gift of faith. He's given us all of these eight characteristics, these eight gifts that I just referred to uh, just a few moments ago, like knowledge and patient endurance and love. God has given those to us, but we, as passionate followers of Christ, we have to be like a farmer. We have to cultivate these. We have to cause them to grow. You know, God has given us the, the field, the earth for the, for the farm. He's given us the seed to plant. He's given us the sunshine and the rain. Without those, you know, whatever the farmer did, wouldn't, it wouldn't do any good if God didn't give the dirt, the seed, and the, and the sunshine and the rain that's necessary. However, what I want you to see tonight all of these things have been given to you, but you have to be the farmer. You and I have to, to diligently cultivate and work at growing in these things and being confident that you will become more patient, being confident that you will have greater self-control. Listen to this, being confident that your faith will increase. And there's nothing wrong with asking Jesus to help your faith to grow and to increase. It's exactly what the disciples asked Jesus to do. They said, Lord, increase our faith. I find myself as a pastor so many times confronted with challenges and with issues in people's lives or needs that uh, are brought to me from our missions departments. And I go, oh, God, increase my faith. As a matter of fact, Two of those have recently come across my desk. A great missions challenge that I just know that God wants us to participate and be involved in, but also a physical need for someone that's a part of our congregation. And I find myself, Lord, pray and say, God, give me the faith to believe so that our missionaries can be equipped and that I can lead our church in, in confident faith. But also, Lord, I pray for the faith to believe you for miracles that are even greater than all the miracles that I've seen before. This is the confident life. My confidence is not in myself to be a great orator. My confidence is not in myself to be the great persuader. My confidence is in God. My confidence is in Jesus Christ. And God cannot fail and God will not fail. And as I encourage somebody this morning on the phone, you know, you pray with bold, confident faith. One of the things that I think is important then is we need to take a look at each one of these gifts and then grade ourselves. Now, just imagine for just a moment you were to take faith and you were to grade yourself. Now, let's use a, a scale of one to seven. 
let's say, is your faith weak? Then maybe you'd put it at a one. If your faith is bold and strong that you could storm through the gates of hell, that you could swing across hell on a rotten cornstalk and spit the devil in the eye and say, come on, victory, well, you've got a seven faith right there. But what you want to do is just take a look at your faith and examine it. Take a look at your knowledge. Are you growing in the Word of the Lord? Are you growing and increasing in knowledge in the Word of God? Take a look tonight at your love for other people, your love for God, your love for other people. Is it growing and increasing? Or do you find yourself when it comes to the things of God, you know that the outwardly thing you're supposed to say is, oh, yes, I love Jesus. I'm excited about Jesus. But how much time did you spend with Jesus today? Or maybe perhaps you go, oh, I love Jesus and I love the church. Are you serving in ministry somewhere? For every one of us are, have been designed to serve. And by the way, there is no retirement program in the Word of God when it comes to ministry. You and I can keep serving God. Sometimes people will tell me, you know, I've done my time. I have served. I'm going to relax and take it easy. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't care if you're 90 years old. As long as you're alive, you've got ministry you can do. It may be intercessory prayer, being on your knees, Granny, praying for your grandchildren, praying for the children of our church, praying for the lost kids in our community. Grandpa, you've still got mentoring that you can do with other people as you, as you invest your faith in them. You see, we're never called to retire from ministry and the body of Christ to the Lord and to one another. So grade yourself on this. And you say, well, pastor, how do I do that? Well, one of my favorite stories is told by the popular historian that I enjoy reading by the most, which is David McCullough. I have a number of books by David McCullough. As a matter of fact, I even have an article about his, his writing shed and where he goes to write and what's in there and the pictures. And, and one day, I hope to have a writing shed like that as well. But David has a plaque up in his writing shed, and it's called Look at Your Fish. Now, just think about that. Look at your fish. And the story behind Look at Your Fish is a professor who would, would teach his students when he was teaching them anatomy and biology, he would put a dead, smelly fish in a tin plate in front of them, and then he would leave it. And then he would say to his students, he'd say, look at your fish. And the students would look at the fish, and they'd say, well, what are we supposed to do? His only comment would be, look at your fish. And they said, well, we don't know. He'd go, look at your fish. And so one day, one of his students, he just, he said, I couldn't see anything but just this dead, smelly, stinky fish. And so he decided to look a little closer. And so he, he dissected the fish. And to his wonderment, it had paired organs, same organ on each side. And so he, he wrote to his professor, pardon me, <coughs> he wrote to his professor and he said, it's got paired organs. And the professor clapped his hands and says, good job. And the student looked at him with a big smile on his face and says, well, what do you want me to do now? And he says, look at your fish. You see, you sometimes just have to take the time to look carefully and to examine. Because what he wanted them to get, there's more there in that fish than meets the eye. And friends, I want to tell you, there's more to love than meets the eye. There's more to knowledge than meets the eye. There's more to brotherly affection than meets the eye. There's more to faith than meets the eye. 
And I hope you get what I'm trying to say to you tonight. It's important that we diligently apply ourselves. And that doesn't mean that we just sit there in a corner somewhere and we stare at our belly buttons. That's not what God's calling us to do. But examine yourselves, the Apostle Paul said. Listen now. Examine yourselves and then you won't be judged by God. In other words, if I will take time to do self-examination every day when I'm having my morning devotions, if I will take time in the afternoon when I stop and pray again and take time to examine myself and what my morning has been like, am I growing in these eight characteristics? And it doesn't take a long time. And then in the evening before I retire and go to bed, I, I just examine myself again and I pray the Lord's Prayer one more time. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Have I loved the Father? Have I prayed for his kingdom? Have I done his will on the earth? Have I sought to see that his will would be done? Lord, thank you for today's daily bread. And forgive me of my sins. Well, what sins might those be? Would it be sins of pride? Would it be sins of arrogance? Would it be sins of impatience? Would it be sins of, of being selfish rather than loving you know, I could just go through these eight characteristics in the Lord's Prayer and then forgiving those who've sinned against me. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And boy, when you just finished with that prayer, you've looked at your fish, you've looked at those eight characteristics, and each day the Holy Spirit helps you to grow. So you're not stuck in this cycle like some of the mental health patients I used to work with where they were stuck in this constant loop of condemnation, of negativity, of paranoia a fear or worry. They were stuck in that constant loop. No, as you pray through these things, as you look at your fish, each day it's like the Holy Spirit helps you to grow a little bit more. And like a tomato plant or a stalk of corn, like a watermelon vine, you find yourself growing until finally there's a fruitful harvest that brings glory and honor to God. And you know, while I'm at this, you will find there are seasons too, you know, we live in Michigan. We don't live in the tropics. We have a season where everything just dies down and the fields are covered in snow. Last week, I was up on the green roof at the Fort Rouge plant, and uh, Don Russell, who is, who's in charge of uh, examining the roof and being sure it's healthy, he was telling me that there was a, a guest that asked him one time at the visitor center at the Rouge plant, he says, well, what color is the green roof during the wintertime? We started laughing. We all knew the answer. He says, white. It's covered in snow. There are seasons in life. So there may be seasons where you're not really growing outwardly, but you're growing inwardly. Because even in the coldness of winter, the tree is doing something. Even in the coldness of winter, something is happening in the ground. Even in the coldness of winter, there are certain fruit trees that have to have so many days of cold. I'm from Georgia. And if we don't get enough days below freezing, we won't have a good peach crop that year. And I live, my home in Georgia is right in the middle of the peach belt. So my point is, you're going to have seasons of flourishing and growth and fruitfulness, but you'll also have seasons where you're growing deep inside. So take time, look at your fish, and diligently grow. Now, secondly tonight, I would say, when you and I were born again, which is what? which is what Peter was talking about last week. We talked about that. But Christ's salvation not only changes our souls, gives us a brand new life, 
but we begin to change the world in maturity. Christ not only, when He saves us, changes us, but then He begins to change the world through you and through me. This last week, my wife came and got me. She said, I need you to come and look at something. And there's a tree in our front yard that the root has come up out of the ground and looks like it's about to start growing under the sidewalk in front of our home. So this week, I've got to call and just be sure that, uh, number one, if it won't harm the tree if I remove the root. I don't know if it will or not. But we don't want to mess up the sidewalk in our subdivision either by neglecting to pay attention to that. So on Friday, I'll be making some calls and trying to get that taken care of. And if I can take uh, an axe to the root of the tree and a shovel and dig it out, I will. But if, if I can't, then they'll tell me what to do, I'm sure. But the point is, the root of that tree is about to change the nature of that sidewalk. Years and years ago, long before our children were born, Becky and I lived in a home. And um, one day we woke up that our, 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 our toilets would not flush. And so I called a plumber, and the plumber came out there. And because it was an old house, uh, it was full of tree roots. The, 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 the line to the city sewage was full of tree roots. And so it, they had to come out <clears throat> and dig up the line, and they had to replace the line. Of course, the landlord had to pay for that. Here's the deal. Friends, God is our landlord, and God doesn't neglect a thing. If you and I will stay faithful, he's the master gardener. He will take care of everything because the change, now listen, this is good. You're going to love this. This is going to help you. The change that God brings is always for your good and for his glory. He doesn't neglect the enemy through sloth, not self-control. The enemy through sloth will cause you to neglect these things, and then all these roots that aren't supposed to be there will come in and block the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. It will block the flow of, of how God wants to work in your life. But if you will let the Lord, He will not only change you, He will change the world through you. You know, we have several Marines in our church, and I, I love these guys, and I love them so much because they're diligent. They've got this go-get-em attitude, and I have two friends that are chaplains. One was a Navy chaplain, and one was a Marine chaplain, and boy, they just go back and forth, and the jokes they have are so funny that they share with one another. But one of the things that the Marines used to advertise with is they showed somebody with their, with their medals, and they showed someone with their rank. They said that their ad was, earned, not given, earned, not given. And I remember looking at that and thinking, boy, what a sermon, because what I have from Christ has been given and not earned. You see, what God has done for me, I've not earned one blessing. I've not earned one thing. Even the rewards that you and I will receive for having served God in this life, whether it's giving a cup of cool water in Jesus' name, whether it's been faithful with our tithes or sharing our faith or helping someone, all of those things, they're still given to us because we wouldn't have these things that I've talked about tonight, these eight gifts that I'm talking about tonight, we wouldn't have those if Christ hasn't given them to us. So let's look at a couple of passages. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, friend, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a brand new life. 
The old you is not there. The old Dennis Clanton is not there anymore. The old Wayne Kittle, who's sitting behind the camera here, is not there anymore. And Wayne and I both go, thank God that old man is gone. God has given us a new, isn't that right, Wayne? You thank God for that. He's nodding his head and saying, yes, sir, right now. You see, all of those old things have passed away. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. With these qualities active and growing in your life, with these qualities active and growing in your life, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this verse in, in the Message Bible. In other words, what he's saying here is these qualities, these eight qualities that we've talked about tonight, faith and knowledge right through to love, they're active, they're growing. It's like a tree growing in your lives. You know, Admiral McRaven, I've recommended his book before, Make Up Your Own Bed. He gives a talk called 10 Lessons to Change the World. 10 Lessons to Change the World. And he goes through all these grueling exercises that, 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 that the, the sailors have to do and the seals have to do. He goes through their running, their swimming, how long they have to stay in the water, everything. It's just brutal training. But as they go through this training, one of the things that they keep telling themselves is they're not only building physical endurance, they're building inner endurance. And what Admiral McRaven says, without the inner endurance, you will never physically endure. And that's why these eight qualities that we've talked about tonight, that's why they're so important in your life, because these are all inwardly growing in your life. They're active and growing. And if you diligently farm those, if you diligently cultivate those, then friends, there is no doubt that you're going to persevere and live life as more than an overcomer. Life is filled with challenges. Life is filled with things that make some people sometimes want to take their life because they just feel like I can't take it anymore. Why? Because they're lacking those inner qualities. They haven't cultivated in those lives. So fear or the worry that tomorrow is going to be worse than today. Suicide is always, and I know this is a has been said so much that sometimes it just passes us over, but we used to tell people this in mental health, and that is suicide is a permanent answer to a temporary problem. Friends, I love that passage in the Bible that says, this too shall pass. You need to develop these inner qualities. COVID-19 will pass. The coronavirus will be gone. Friends, I'm telling you, God is at work. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh, I wish we were together right now. We would just give the Lord a hand clap of praise and thank Him for everything that He's done. Now, here's why this is so important. I want you to listen. If we close our eyes to God's Word, our ears to the preaching of the Word, and the Holy Spirit's guidance through the Word, we will forget who we are. Boy, when I wrote that sentence today, I had just had to stop and give God thanks. If we close our eyes to God's Word, our ears to the preaching of the Word, and the Holy Spirit's guidance through the Word, we will forget who we are. And I think that's what happens to people who give up. They've closed their eyes. That's what Peter was referring to in verse 9, where he says they're short-sighted or blind. He's calling us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21 since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, 
He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Now, do you know why he says our foolish preaching? Because the Corinthians were so proud. of They were Greeks, and you know the emphasis that they put upon knowledge. They were so proud of their worldly knowledge, and they were so proud of their different groups. It's like if I am more proud of my denomination and I look down at every other denomination as inferior. You know, we can't get like that in the body of Christ. Everybody that believes that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior confesses their sins to Him and gives their life to Him, that the Bible is the Word of God. They're my brother or sister in Christ. And so, you know, it doesn't matter what the shingle on the outside of the door says. What matters is Jesus, Lord of your heart. Because when we get to heaven, there ain't going to be no shingles. There's just going to be the body of Christ. I hope you're saying amen right now. But the foolishness of preaching makes all of the wisdom of this world shown up to what it really is, just pure foolishness. And God uses preaching not only to reach lost people, but God uses preaching for that continual process of salvation in your life. I never apologize for being a preacher. I never apologize for preaching the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I've asked my close friends, don't ever use preaching in a negative context. Oh, they're just preaching at you. Oh, they were preaching at us today. Don't use preaching like that. Preaching is the call of God. Preaching is the call of God. You can do a lot of things in life, but you can't preach the Word of God without the calling of God upon you. You can give a witness. You can give a testimony. But God calls men and women to preach His Word. It's a call from God. And that preaching gift is such a sacred gift. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we're in church together. We're worshiping God together. And during this COVID crisis, we've joined online together. And we comment to one another how we're growing in the Word. But if we close our eyes to the Word of God, if we close our eyes and we're not reading the Bible at home, you can't wait till next Sunday or next Wednesday night to get the Word. You know, I read my Bible three times a day, morning, noon, and night, morning, noon, and night. And today, I, I have a Bible. One of the young men in our church, who's also now a board member in our church, years, a few years ago, he showed me a journaling Bible that he bought. Now, I have two or three journaling Bibles that, you know, I have used through the years, but he showed me this, this journaling Bible, and I really liked it. It's hardback. It's got a little strap around it, and I can put it on my bookshelf just like I would any other book in my library. But today I was journaling in that Bible these, what these verses were saying to me, not the sermon, this is my devotional time, and I just have paging through and looking at all the notes I've made in that Bible, and I'm so thankful. Open your eyes to the Word of God, but also be aware of the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you. Look at what Peter says. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. In other words, they close their eyes and they forget that they have been cleansed from their old sins. You will never forget who you are as long as you keep your ears open and your eyes open to the word of the Lord and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I'm going to just close in just a moment, so hang with me for just a few more minutes. I'm going to show you a couple of ways that you can keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. And finally tonight, before we go to the growth work, God wants me to know my sins have been forgiven. I don't know about you, but that brings me such peace. God wants me to know my sins have been forgiven. 
You know, I've been preaching the gospel now, and um, I hate to say this, but it won't be but just a couple of more years. I've been preaching the gospel 50 years. I preached my first sermon when I was 16 years old. I preached my first revival when I was 17 years old. I've never lacked for a pulpit. I never ask, you know, just, I just, God began opening doors, and I've been preaching you know, most of my life now. I've lived for the Lord. I gave my heart to Him at 16. I'm still shocked that at 16 years old that there were people that were calling me and wanted me to come preach as a teenage preacher. But even now, as I'm much older now, hopefully much wiser, but I'm more in love with Jesus than I've ever been before. And sometimes I tell my wife, I said, Becky, I don't know if you can really understand just how much I love you. And sometimes I tell my children, and I'm not a syrupy, sentimental, sappy person. But sometimes I tell my son, one's a warrior, one's an architect, one's a video major. My daughter, I'll put my hands on either side of their face and say, I don't know if you can understand just how much I love you. I have one grandson in particular. When I tell him that, he just throws his arms around me. It melts my heart, and he lays his head on my chest or lays it on my shoulder and just looks at me and says, I love you, Papa. I love you, Papa. And I love him so much. Sometimes I tell the church how much I love you. I, I was thinking about that today. I said, God, thank you that you've helped me to grow in love. But you see, all of that comes because my sins have been forgiven. Sin destroys love. Sin specializes in lust. And lust is as far apart from love as infinity is. But when your sins are forgiven and you examine yourself daily, you're just praying, oh Lord, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sin against me you'll find yourself growing in love. You'll find yourself growing in grace. But if I close my eyes to the preaching of the Word, if I close my eyes to the reading of the Word, if I fail to listen to the Holy Spirit, then I forget that I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I made the mistake those Corinthians did. And I become puffed up in my knowledge. I become puffed up in my wisdom. I begin to boast about my education. I begin to boast about my experience. I begin to boast about this and that. And it's all about me. But when I know that I'm a sinner saved by grace, it touches me somewhere deep in my heart. And I realize that in this flesh, in this old self-will, there's nothing good that dwells. Everything good is the gift of Christ in my life. And friend, everything good is the gift of Christ in your life. Whether you have wealth or whether you have very little wealth, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're black or white, everything you have is the gift of God that He has given to us. So He says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, So dear brothers and sisters, Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Now, notice that. Work hard to prove that you really are. Not work hard 
to be saved. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. But he says, work hard to grow in these eight areas. And he says, if you do these things, you'll never fall away. What's he saying? If you'll do these things, you won't stumble. You know, I, I'm pretty confident about my way around in this sanctuary, you know. But now that we've got equipment set up in here for recording and doing our services online, I came in the other day and, and I needed to get something off the platform. And I hardly ever turn on the lights when I come in here by myself. I know where everything's supposed to be. But I knew that nothing was where it was supposed to be. So I walked out and I went around the outside of the sanctuary and came in the back so I could turn on some lights to see because I knew I couldn't walk confidently. And if I couldn't walk confidently, I was going to fall. I was going to stumble. He says, if we will continue to diligently grow in these, these areas of our life, we won't stumble. We can live confidently. So whether I'm in Africa or Europe or Asia or the Americas, I live confidently by faith in Jesus Christ tonight because I know He's given me all these wonderful qualities and it's up to me to cultivate them and to grow as I listen to the Word of the Lord. Somebody come on victory out there. In 1 John 5, 11, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Well, real quickly, God promises His forgiveness. There's 2 Timothy 1.12 you can look at later. And knowing that I'm saved makes me a more influential witness for Christ. The joy of the Lord, the joy of God is your strength. You see, when you're a joyful Christian, you just attract people. I have people ask me a lot, what is it that brings you joy? What is it that puts that smile on your face? You see, when you're a joyful witness, you just attract people. And I mean, that's not a feigned joy. It's not a put-on joy. But when you don't have that joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven and walking by faith, it's kind of off-putting. So nurture and grow. Well, let's look at this, and I've got to go. It's, I've got about two minutes here before I need to be gone. Our growth work tonight, I want to look at this point, 2 Peter 1.10. Do these things, and you'll never fall away. You could say it like this. Do these things, and you'll never stumble. Do these things you'll live confidently. Keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll never fall away. Keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll never fall away. Look at Peter. You know the story of Peter getting out of the boat. He walked on the water. He said, Pastor, do you really believe that? I believe that. He walked on the water. You see, part of my faith is this. I believe the Bible. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. That's, that's what faith is. And so, knowing that Peter got out and walked on that water, I say to people all the time, there's more to this than what we know. But Peter didn't walk on the water until Jesus said, come. So don't go stepping out of your fishing boat this weekend and think you're going to walk on the water. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. Say that with me. When I keep my eyes on Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. So keep your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? Through prayer, through praise, and worship. And when you're praying, you're praying in the name of Jesus, which means you're only going to pray the things that God wants you to pray. In other words, you know what you're asking in Jesus' name. You know that's the will of God. So when I'm praying for someone to be healed, I believe that's the will of God. When I'm praying for someone to prosper, I believe that's the will of God. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
When you're praising God, you're praising God not in error. You're praising God according to who he's been to you, what he's done in your life. You're praising God for all that he's done in this world. He makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And when you worship God, you're worshiping God for who he is. He's great. He's magnificent. He's patient. He's loving kindness. He's all powerful. I could just go on. So you're praising God in truth. So here are five things that I would say to you. You keep your eyes on Jesus when you love the truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You keep your eyes on Jesus when you love your neighbors. And who is your neighbor? Everyone. You know, we talk about that with the Good Samaritan. You keep your eyes on Jesus when you love your neighbors. You keep your eyes on Jesus when you love righteousness. Or in other words, when you love holiness. And, and don't let that be off-putting to you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, long-suffering, uh, all of these gifts, the fruit of the Spirit, that's what the holy life is. That's what God is. So you love Jesus when you love the things that He loves. You love Jesus when you keep your promises. You love Jesus when you keep your promises, and you love Jesus when you love sacrificially. You know, I, I'm just kind of to help you a little bit here. There are some things that I will spend a little more money on than I do other things because I know that the product that I'm buying is a part of and is, is helping fund farmers in countries that aren't being taken advantage of by big companies that, make, that pay them very little so that you and I in America can have a cheap price. I've seen what those people have to live in. I've seen what those people have to get by on. What I've also seen is I visited a coffee plantation on one of my recent trip overseas, is I visited a coffee plantation where the, 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 the man who is in charge of, of, of buying all of these beans, he pays the top dollar for those coffee beans, and those coffee farmers are doing so much better. They have clean water. They're sending their children to school. Most of them are followers of Jesus Christ, but I've seen just the opposite where they're living in hobbles while you and I can pay cheap prices. And I don't want to call any names out, but you really need to think about this. You, you love God sacrificially when you're willing to maybe take a loss on something and able to help somebody else. You know, and that doesn't mean we don't do business at a profit. We're supposed to do business at a profit. The scripture tells us that. And that's another story for another time. But sometimes love will cause us to do something sacrificially. Well, I hope these help you to grow because when you do these things, if you take these five things that I've just mentioned right here, you'll keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. I love you. Uh, let me invite you once again. If you haven't given yet, would you please go online and to woodland.church. Just click the, the word that says give or text 77977. Uh, and then use the keyword Woodland Church. Uh, also, would you be getting ready for our prayer service on Saturday night at 6 o'clock? Becky and I will be live streaming that. And we can't wait to pray with you there. And also, if you would, go ahead and register. Go online and register. Or you could do it on your iPhone. Register for one of our two services Sunday morning. I would love to have to do a third service. So go ahead and be sure you register for that as well. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for tuning in and listening tonight here on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're at. And share this with somebody. You know, maybe share it again and 
do a watch party and invite people to watch with you. But let me pray with you before you go. Our Heavenly Father, I love you with all of my heart. And I'm so thankful for all that you've poured into my life. Everything I have is a gift from you. Lord, the seed of faith that continues to grow in our lives, the seed of faith that's growing in my friends' lives who are joining me on Facebook tonight. And I pray that, Lord, we will be like oak trees of righteousness, that our, our roots will grow deep in Christ, that we will be so fruitful and abundant. And even though there may be seasons, Lord, when there are no leaves on the trees and seasons where there's no more fruit on the tree, help us not to give up because something is happening internally into our lives that will help us physically be stronger, physically be more fruitful. God, you're doing something in each and every one of us. So tonight, we offer all of this up as a sacrifice of praise to you and a gift to one another. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Uh, by the way, Sunday morning, you don't want to miss Sunday morning's message. It's called The Power of a Thank You.